Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say as a disclaimer that none of what I say in this podcast is actual advice. If you really feel like you have a mental health disorder or are dealing with anything personally, please seek out professional help. That is the best resource for everyone. And again, none of what I say in this podcast is anything professional or any type of advice. So thank you guys. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Sum of Life podcast. I'm your host, Liam Scully. And in today's episode, I had my friend Timmy on, or better known as Quinny as I call him. And he got to share his story on anxiety, panic attacks, and also depression and some other things. And he had two very special stories at the end too that he wanted to share with me and with you, the listeners. So I'm very appreciative that he was willing to trust my podcast and you, the listeners, essentially, to tell his story, to tell his two stories his two struggles. So really, thank you, Quinny. I'm very appreciative of that, that you got to share your two stories on, on our episode that we did together and on my show and my podcast. It was awesome. But yeah, we also talked a lot about anxiety throughout college a little bit, medication therapy, how much therapy helps. Talk about that a lot recently in a couple of my interviews. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it and I'll see you guys next time. All right, today I'm here with my friend Timmy Quinn, who is also going to be discussing his story with panic attacks. And similarly to the other guests that I've had on, we're going to be having, or at least I expect to have a similar conversation, similar questions. So Timmy, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, totally, dude. Thanks for having me. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Timmy Quinn. I'm 21 years old. I am from Long Island, New York. I went to college with uh, Scully here. I'm still at college. He's he just graduated. Yes, Scully's a great great friend of mine, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And you want to tell him how we met? How we met? Uh, playing a playing a simple sport by the name of rugby. <laughs> um, great sport. Great. Yeah, time. we we only played two hand touch actually. So <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god. That that would be yeah that'd be fun. No, I uh, I was an incoming freshman. Scully was a sophomore. He was welcomed me with open arms, and oh, ever course. since that first practice, we've become good buddies. Yep. And now he's no longer with us. He's uh, I know. He's back in New Jersey. It's very upsetting. But luckily, Quinny is only an hour and a half, two hours away in Long Island. So exactly, not too far, not too bad, not too far. But uh, I guess to get things started here. Do you want to just tell your introduction, I guess, like your first time, maybe even like you didn't know if it was anxiety or something where you developed like symptoms and you had to ask like your parents or whatever, or how did it all start for you? All right. So I want to say around the age of maybe five or six or seven, you know, not toddler, but not like preteen or whatever. I started, you know, prior to my knowledge, I started developing like anxiety and like panic-esque like symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I, in my head, it was, I call so my mom and I coined the term, the feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't, it wasn't a physical feeling. It was all in my head, but it was kind of a sudden urge of consciousness and panic Mm -hmm. that I was kind of realized like, this is me, but it's not me, me. Like, I became a different version of myself. It was very, very odd and scary for, for a little kid. So in my head, I would, you know, 
become overly conscious of, of, of what I'm doing at the time. And I, my heart would race, I would get the sweats, I would, and you know, it wouldn't go away. So that was around the age of, like I said, five or seven. And it didn't happen too, too often, but you know, I, I always had something growing up. Then high school rolls around and I'm still like, uh, I have the feeling from time to time. I still, you know, I didn't put a, a real label on it. Like, you know, for example, anxiety or, or, or OCD mm-hmm. or, you know, panic anxiety, which I now is how I, I label it. So there's just the feeling. Mm-hmm. Mom, I have the feeling. Dad, I have the feeling, you know, whatever. High school came around and it was, you know, I was more occupied, had more, a little bit more responsibilities and, um, you know, they were still happening, you know, not as often, but it was still there. I went to my first psychiatrist, uh, sophomore year. It's probably 14 or 15 years old. You know, I would break down. Yeah. every week mm-hmm. you know and i dude I, I had no idea what to expect and then once you go to something like that and like you actually experience i was just like wow this is great yeah but uh unfortunately for me that first guy i kind of felt like kind of what one of your other guests said on a previous episode that their first therapist slash psychiatrist didn't really yeah take it all that seriously mm-hmm. so i kind of felt the same way i you know i would go and he would just say, yes, yes. Okay. And like, write things down. And I'm like, dude, you're not helping me at all. Yeah. You're just making me talk. You know, mm-hmm. I could, I could talk to my mom for $0 yet, you know, yeah. you know, so I'm like, you got to help me out, my man. And so I, I stopped going to that guy. And then I, I was, I was pretty good for a few years. A senior high school was really good. It's thriving, looking forward to meet my future buddy Scully up, up at college. <laughs> and then this is when it kind of SHIT hit the fan. Yeah. First year of, of, of college, I was in the, an engineering program over at Stonehill. And for those of you who don't know what that entails, basically you get a degree in three years and then transfer to Notre Dame. So you have to like overload on, on school. And as a freshman, that was kind of my norm because I, I didn't have any other college experience to, to, compare my workload to and as another reference here at Stonehill you typically take 15 credits per semester my freshman year I took 19 credits and then also 19 credits so it's while playing rugby too right yep so while playing rugby while which I believe our freshman year was like with games I think five times a week five times a week you know you kind of dedicate your whole weekend to the sport also, just, you know, I went to, we, go, we went to school in Massachusetts, and mm-hmm. obviously, as I said, you know, I'm from New York, so I didn't know anyone. No yeah. one from my high school went even near Stonehill College, so I didn't know a single person. So, 38 credits, uh, two-season sport, mm-hmm. and just trying to get on my feet, you know, make, make some friends, which, you know, of course I did, and basically what I'm trying to say is that kept me very, very, very busy. I never had too much downtime and that was good for me. I got really good grades. I played the, my favorite sport in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd met great people and then May comes around and it's this massive transition from don't see any of my friends. I'm not doing any real work. I, I was working, mm-hmm. but you know, as, as any college student does they just work over the summer and I wasn't playing rugby 
So mm-hmm. I had a significant amount of, of, of time on my hands. And when I realized that I went from busy, busy, busy to not at all, my anxiety and my stress shot through the roof. Mm-hmm. Just gives me more I, time to think about things. Yeah. And that's personally speaking, that's my issue mm-hmm. is, is too much free time, too much free time. And so what that does for me is it triggers my panics, my, my anxiety. Yeah. You know, it, it triggers my panics and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a quick question too. Maybe it was, um, what you labeled as the feeling, which now you obviously know is anxiety or like a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Was there any specific fear that led you into a panic attack or was it just like a, a bunch of intrusive thoughts or something else, something similar? So at that age, and actually nowadays too, you know, nowadays I know how to control it, but mm-hmm. in those days it, would, it was mostly on my downtime. So most of the time from age seven to 15 years old, it would be while I'm either laying in bed, you know, trying to go to sleep and my mind's just racing or say in the shower or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm maybe even if I'm like eating dinner, you know, um, where I'm not like really focusing on, on one particular thing is, is when my mind starts to race. And when my mind starts to race, it's, it's when the thoughts come in. Yeah. So my, my therapist said that when, like for me, my, when my mind is like at a complete empty, like when I'm just not thinking about anything, I'm just say, for example, right now, I'm just sitting here, you know, I'm focusing on you. If I was just sitting here and just, you know, staring at the wall or something, panic yeah. right then and there, yeah, so it would hit that, within, it would hit within seconds. Yeah. It would hit within seconds. It's wow. it's so yeah. If I just you know turn my head, <laughs> don't pay attention <laughs> to you. I'm like oh sh-, you know oh crap, I'm having an anxiety attack. Wow, it, it happens pretty quickly for me. Yeah, that is crazy how fast it happens too. Yeah, and what you described as your freshman year too, I could see how everything during that that whole first year was uh, like really distracting because you were so busy the whole time, doing the yeah. engineering program playing a two season sport. And then when it all stops, like you said, it honestly makes sense that you would, you you would get your anxiety back. Yeah. Well, I know the first psychiatrist, like you said, wasn't good, but did you see another psychiatrist or a therapist after him? Mm -hmm. So post freshman year, when it really started kicking in, Mm -hmm. you know, it was really bad. That was when I found my current psychiatrist and my current therapist and right away the psychiatrist was like you should definitely take medicine mm-hmm. i'm currently taking prozac i have no complaints i think it's it's been very very well for me i found a great therapist so oh yeah so i, I had a psychiatrist that was separate from my therapist and that i actually preferred way better because my therapist she was you know around like my brother's age or like maybe a little older and she could uh, kind of relate to the younger audience. Yeah. And I think she, she specialized in like anxiety treatment. No, I, well, yes, yes. But she, she youth, she, oh, okay, she yeah. specialized mm-hmm. in youth. So I was, when I first went to her, I was 18 years old 
And, you know, sometimes I would see kids as young as, you know, seven walking out of her office. Obviously not that that's any of my business, but she, I, mm-hmm. you know, she, she's more or less a youth slash family ther- therapist. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, like I said, she, she was, she was great. Um, yeah. She, she helped and this me was out in Long time. Island. Yes. Yes. So like I said, I'm, I'm in Massachusetts right now. I do not go to therapy. Even but the, I do. the ones that the Stonehill offers. Yeah, I, I think I. Maybe it's not that I. Yeah, I I would stop in now now and then if I like really need to, but I feel like it's kind of like a betrayal to uh, my therapist <laughs> uh, uh, back home. But it might I, mix I, you up a little, honestly, too, because yeah, some therap- uh, Well, every therapist is different. If you have one that's really working for you, and then you get another one trying to tell you different things, it might mix up like your strategies or your like coping mechanisms for anxiety in your mm-hmm. head. So I don't exactly. think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I, I want to kind of add on to that point. So mm-hmm. my therapist said that I have a, a really hard issue with change, mm-hmm. you know, in regards to like life, more or less sudden change. I mean to say more, more so sudden change yeah so for example when i first you know when i went from college busy busy college to nothing that's a significant change in my life that's mm-hmm. why my my anxiety and my stress level went up another example so like a change in my life now would be switching to a different therapist while i already have a really really good therapist that i trust mm-hmm. so i think for me for me personally not saying this should be for all people with panic attacks. Uh, me personally, that would, at least for the first few sessions, would would stress me out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess with the pandemic going on, are you currently having like video chats with your therapist from home or no? Uh, I'm actually have not. So I have not. I've I've you know we'll text her every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gotten to the point in my life where I've, I'm actually in a really good spot right now. Yeah. And so I, I think, it, you know, therapy costs money. And if I, I learned a lot from therapy, she, she taught me some really good techniques and, and I got a lot off my chest. So I, I actually haven't spoken with my therapist in over a year or about a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, she she tells me, you know, she's there if, if I need her. Yeah. Uh, yeah she's just course. a call away. So um, yeah. that I, I, I can always bank on. That's always something that's awesome that therapists do is I think right away, or if not right away within the first couple of sessions, they always give out their phone number. Yeah. And that's, that's just nice to know and to have as almost like a 24 seven, like crisis hotline with someone that you're familiar with who can help you out. Absolutely. Um, so for the therapists that are doing that, please keep doing that. Yeah. You, you I, guys I are a lot. You guys are the true ones. And then, uh, cause I just saw Stonehill actually just added a 24 seven, uh, hotline crisis or yep. like crisis line. That's um, right. Yeah. So that's really good. Uh, that was mm-hmm. good news that I heard, especially since they're short staffed on, at least they were last year when I was there. Yeah. I, th- I think because of COVID and, and, you know, all this craziness. I yeah. Think 
they decided, Hey, let's, let's step it up a notch. You know, yeah. let's, let's, you know, the students are their priority. So mm-hmm. let's, let's uh, give them what they want. Yeah. Especially like you said, during the pandemic, there's definitely or seemingly a huge mental health crisis going on right now with absolutely most people, I would say everything seems distorted, like time, a lot of things just it's really all out of whack. I mean, during during quarantine back home, it seemed like every day was just the same day. Oh, right. I know. I, I, I couldn't tell the difference between Saturday and Tuesday and Thursday. It was mm-hmm. all one one blur. I know it is. Um, yeah. And I, I wanted to ask too, like, did that increase any of your anxiety or like this whole time period has it um or did it bring about any anything new not definitely nothing new but did it bring it on at all you know i i was pretty busy this uh this summer Mm -hmm. i um i I was working pretty much full time like 40 hours a week um and that tired the hell out of me yeah, it was time consuming and physically demanding. So yeah, that was like Monday through Friday. That was my gig. And then Saturday was like the off day. And it it's not like the change where my anxiety would come on. It was a, a, a good change. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I get to hang out with my family, I get to hang out with my friends, I get to, you know, of course, following all uh, social distancing guidelines. And, yeah, you know, as mm-hmm. far as public, public seating goes. But yeah, you know, I, but then that time flew, flew mm. by. So that actually helped because it kept me in schedule, you know, kept me in check. You know, I was all, I was never, didn't have too much downtime, which on my opinion is a good thing. Yeah. Always, always keeping at something. Yeah. So it, like you said, I know being distracted is something that helps you, but other than that, are there any other techniques that you do or that you have done? Like say you were to get anxious right after our interview ended and I don't mean to put this upon you or anything. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> I know. Don't do anything. It'll happen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else that you do besides keeping busy that, that would help it? Like during, like I said, like for example, if you do get one like after this or when, whenever you get one in the future. Yeah, totally. I know you've mentioned this a ton of times in your, in your show grounding techniques. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's for me, it's a, some sort of physical contact. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll anything, anything, I'll I'll pat my chest. I'll pinch my arm. I'll, I'll, uh, what do I have over here? I'll squeeze a a desk knob. Yeah. (laughs) Knock, knock my hand on the table. Yeah. Like this is me. I am perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. just i just have anxiety yeah so but i'm this is you know this is who i am mm-hmm. and it, it it helps me ground back to my normal state mm-hmm. as it should another technique i would do is for minor panic attacks so say i'm laying in bed and i feel some some panic come on for god knows what reason i'll just it's kind of a for minor panic attacks i'll have minor distractions yeah yeah that makes sense. So I'll, yep. you know, look at my look at my phone as any mm-hmm. normal college kid would. I'll uh, go grab a glass of water. Yeah. I'll, you know, something like that, and that keeps me level-headed, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of helps push away the anxiety. It may still be there, but if I'm 
at least put my focus on something else for a little bit, it helps bring that level down mm-hmm. significantly. But those are, yeah, those are my techniques as, as far as I can think of right now, grounding and distractions. And now, um, like, I guess more so than the past, since you've had it for a while now, you would say you're used to the feeling? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, if it comes on, you know it's like, okay, this is anxiety again. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah, no-brainer right there. I know exactly what to do. And if it's a little more severe at times, I, like, really have to – yeah ground and i really have to distract and sometimes i'll go as far as like calling my parents and saying like i need someone to talk to right now Mm -hmm. or anyone i could even go to my roommate and say like hey you know what's up like can you talk to me for a sec but yeah you know to answer your question i do i definitely know quote unquote the feeling yeah so and also with your feeling like physical symptoms you i know this sounds more like thoughts but have you ever gotten like physical symptoms of anxiety besides i guess like you said pounding heart right yeah so i think as far as physical symptoms go that relate to my anxiety are the sweats shakes mm-hmm. you know heart racing but it it's mostly mental mm-hmm. but those those three usually are they they go hand in hand with my anxiety so if yeah. I get really, really stressed out, I'll, my heart will start racing. I'll start sweating. Yeah. And like, I'll like, I'll shake a little bit. Yeah. Which but, I think is a very common symptom of anxiety yeah. is like racing heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually just ask this too, just because these are some of the symptoms that I experience. But have you ever been like in a state of um, like derealization or any type of like dissociation where you felt like not connected with your body? I mean, yeah. I think you pretty much just summed up what the feeling was oh, wow. for me. Oh, okay. I think I, I personally, I could not find the words. And I think those, uh, what did you say? D yeah, realization. They're all just forms of like dissociation. Uh, yes. Like yeah. So dissociated. I dissociated that, that I think is the one on top. It, oh, so wow, okay. Yeah. Basically what would happen? I would feel like I would disassociate like mm-hmm. you said, with my, I guess, for lack of better words, normal state. Mm-hmm. And I, I would honestly, honest to God, I would feel like a different person for yep. yeah, as, as, long, as long as that like lasted, I would feel like not Timmy Quinn. Mm-hmm. Like the, it, it was, and I at a young age, when I was seven years old, I'm like, what the yeah, hell scary, is going man. on? Yeah. So that you feel a, like, well, this is a podcast, but you feel like up here. I'm just raising my hand over my head. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, Liam yeah. is is raising his hand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is that what it feels like, though? Like where you're like up there almost, or just yeah. like almost watching yourself? I, I kind of feel like in a way. I I wouldn't say up here. I don't I don't really know. I, I maybe I would I would say I'm behind myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking I'm looking yeah. over over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good example but yeah. I, I'm, to answer your question I wouldn't say I'm at I'm like looking at myself from up top looking mm-hmm. down I would say I'm I'm looking over my own shoulder breathing down my own neck yeah um, and I actually think that's a better way to describe it for me too not really up up here but 
kind of like looking from behind almost and over my shoulder. It's, but that's it's curious. So that's or not curious. That's interesting. Oh yeah, very unsettling. Um, it's it it's. I mean, no one no one wants anyone breathing down their neck. No. Nonetheless, a disassociated version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that's just horrifying to me. Yeah, when you you can't even almost recognize that like your thoughts are your own and everything, and it yeah. just feels way more scary. Yeah. But the good thing is it's always temporary. Oh, of course. I I want to say one thing that therapy has taught me, and I live by these two quotes, and I don't just use them for my mental health. I use it for school. I use it for rugby. I use it for any sort of tough situation I may be in. Mm-hmm. The two things I always tell myself are it's it could be worse, and it's going to be over eventually. Mm-hmm. So basically say I'm having an anxiety attack. No one likes anxiety, but you could tell yourself it could be worse and that helps calm your nerves. You could be in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You could be really, really suffering. It could be worse and it could always, always, always be worse. And then the second one, it'll be over soon. That's what really helps me that's what really motivates me to fight my anxiety. So I say, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. It's going to mm-hmm. be over. Just get through it. Just get through it. This isn't bad. You know, you've done this a million, million times. Mm-hmm. And, and that's almost not even uh, fighting it. That's more of a, like, you're just accepting it, which is, a, I think, a yeah. really good uh, technique. Uh, one yeah. that works a lot for many people because if you just let it ride out, mm-hmm. then it, it'll just ride out and it won't like uh, attacking it might prolong mm-hmm. it a little because then you're just focusing on those thoughts a lot. Exactly. If you, yeah, like you just said, if you attack it back, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I guess what I, I shouldn't have used the word, you know, fight it. I should have used the word, you know, acceptance because yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be over. Like this, this does not last forever. Mm-hmm. They, live with a mental illness but this is not you know yeah because just like better. yeah just like you were saying i've been through this a million times mm-hmm. uh, i'll get through this this is temporary that's an awesome way of just letting it come on and then uh just letting it pass through you to be honest exactly that's the uh, best way best way of putting it yeah i guess we are like at the 30 minute mark already I, is there anything else you wanted to add well, talk about. I do have a few stories if if you'd like to hear yeah, like yeah. just of two two stories that I can think of off the top of my head where I was at a pretty low point, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to get my story out there before I say anything. You know, to you guys who are listening, you're not alone. You know, most of us go through it more than you would think. Go through stuff like this. One story. I was uh, on vacation with my family. This is when I just started my prescription. So this was two and a half years ago. I we were I was just hanging with my family. We were just watching a movie on one of the not as crazy nights because, like I said, we went on vacation. So we were just hanging, watching a movie. Everyone goes to bed, and you know the feeling or the panic started to kick in, and I just 
lost it. And to make things worse, my nose was bleeding at the same time. <laughs> it was bizarre. But this was definitely the longest and the worst panic attack I've ever endured with a bloody nose right on top of it. I remember just completely disassociating, completely just losing my mind. You know, I would try the grounding techniques, but that didn't work. I, you know, like I said earlier, I would pinch myself or pat my chest, but this time I was like punching the wall and ripping my hair out. Nothing worked. I, for whatever reason, felt very uncomfortable waking up my parents. So I just went for a walk. And, and this was in the middle of the night in a neighborhood that I was unfamiliar with. So I just didn't care. I didn't care what happened to me that night. I just needed the, that to stop. If I think you know what I'm getting at. Yep. Mm -hmm. Eventually it did. That was before I started therapy. So I didn't really know those two golden sayings. I just kind of took it, wrote it, sucked, but eventually I went back to bed, fell asleep, told my mom the next morning, and she was like, we got to kick this up a notch. That same week, I switched my prescription, and I, I switched it and upped it. So I was on Zoloft to begin. I was only on Zoloft for about a week or two. Mm -hmm. Right after that, they switched me to Prozac because that was more common and supposedly i don't know if this is true supposedly more like better uh, that was terrible grammar but better <laughs> in a way it uh, they, uh, it has a longer uh half-life so oh, okay so for those who don't know like they both obviously act in different ways too but they're both ssris which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors so basically blocking off your serotonin receptors so that your brain thinks that you need more and serotonin, I, I guess we don't really know much about the brain, but uh, <laughs> produces some like happiness or makes you more happy. Whereas Zoloft's half-life, so if I'm taking 50 milligrams, which I am, I'll take it right now. But in 24 hours, it'll be down to like 25 milligrams in my body just because the half-life is like just about a day. But Prozac, Prozac might also be stronger, but the half-life is actually three days too instead of one uh, compared to Zoloft. So, and you're taking that every day, I assume, right? Yeah, every morning. Mm -hmm. That I actually didn't know about yeah. the half-life. That's very interesting. Well, that's good that <laughs> I had to tell you. Yeah, you learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to wrap that story up, I, like I said, switched to Prozac, upped my dosage, and I'm currently still taking Prozac since mm -hmm. then. So I haven't, I haven't tried another. How old, been, how old did you say you were? So it was the summer after freshman year. So I was maybe just turned 19 mm -hmm. and I'm currently 21. Mm -hmm. So yeah, about two, two and a half years. I just want to say too, I'm like, I'm sorry that happened too. And I know a lot of people are in similar situations, um, yeah. but like you said, and I, I love your story because like you're a living example that it gets better. Uh, no yeah. matter how bad it can get. Thank you, dude. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. And just another story. This was a way less, way less intense story. This is just, I wanted to bring up a story about my issue with change. Mm -hmm. I, th I thought that this is, I think you might find this actually really interesting. So my, I was at work one summer. I'm an electrician. So I'm, I'm kind of always 
you know, there's not really any downtime to, you know, check my phone or, you know, only really bathroom breaks and food breaks, but I've managed to find some downtime. I checked my phone and I had a text from the family group chat and uh, it was my brother texting the family that he had uh, gotten laid off early that morning. And he's fine. He is engaged. He's getting married in two weeks and he has a way better job. He loves, loves his new job. This was just honestly, I want to say during budget cuts or, or or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he was handled it way better than I did. I, for somehow, for whatever reason that affected me in a way that there was a change in my life, a sudden change. I kind of just looked at my phone. I said, it said, you know, I got laid off and I just in my head at work, you know, I couldn't really talk to anyone at work. I was just like, what am I going to do? And that affected me for like the rest of the day. And I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But it's weird because it had absolutely nothing to do with me. Mm, yeah this this was my brother he was living in maine at the time well actually he still is living in maine like i only see him on you know every so often so why that affected me the way it did why it brought the anxiety on i have no idea mm-hmm. but then at that point in my life i learned those two you know it gets better uh, or it could be worse Mm-hmm. And then that was just like, wait, this isn't even me. This is my brother. I love him to death, but this anxiety should not be here. So that I thought that was just like a, like an interesting thing. And yeah, because it brings like, it back to just that it's, it's just you thinking about it. Like it, you're, yeah. it's just a culmination of like, partly it being like a mental illness, but also just uh like you're, you also could have been just the one provoking it because uh, you were just thinking about it too much. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You, you're exactly right. But yeah, I guess that uh, brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for those two stories, honestly. I really loved both of them. Um, Thank you. I'm really happy um, that you were so open to, to share both of them. Absolutely. Uh, I dude. think that's extremely important for a bunch of people struggling especially someone out there is going through really hard times right now and to hear Mm -hmm. a story like that to know that it gets better like we said Mm -hmm. it's just so vital for like recovery Mm -hmm. so that was awesome yeah thanks so much for being so open about it yeah and uh just to add something i don't know how many people i've actually told that story to either stories besides you know with the exception of my family and my therapist. Mm-hmm. So hello world. Yeah. <laughs> T- Timmy Quinn coming your way. <laughs> like, that's what I appreciate a lot too, is that uh, even just to, to put it on a podcast like this and to mm-hmm. let, let people know if, that's awesome. And I think, I think anyone listening to this will be accepting of your stories and completely understanding. So this is the perfect place to, to get it out there. That's the one. That's it. Did you want to leave uh, anyone with uh, or the listeners with uh, any contact information like email? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So even Instagram, I guess. Yeah, Instagram. So my Instagram is easy. It's just Timmy underscore Quinn. That's T-I-M-M-Y 
underscore Q-U-I-N-N. That's my Instagram. My email is Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, period, T-I-M-M-Y, and then the number six at gmail.com. Probably the two best ways you can, anyone, feel free to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I, I think that's, uh, that was awesome. And maybe we can do this again sometime. I really enjoyed this interview. That was great. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, or conversation, I guess, interview conversation. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on, Quinny. That was, uh, that was great. Scully, it's always a good time with you, my man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. And if you want to learn more or find out more about me and what I'm doing, you can go to my website at someoflife.org. There you can click on the contact page and find my email, which is liamscully at someoflife.org. Or you can just find my Twitter handle, which is at someolifepodcast. Also on my website, you can find my Patreon page and there you can find a $1, $2, and $5 tier. Each of those are per episode basis. So basically whenever I release an episode, you can pay me $1, $2, or $5 obviously i would appreciate any amount and i don't expect you guys to do it right away hopefully you gain my trust and my support and what i'm doing for the show and maybe you guys will be able to financially support me in the future and again i would appreciate that so much also just wanted to give a huge shout out to my two really good friends trip russo and brian turcott trip russo is my graphic designer he did all the designs for my podcast and brian turcott mixes my beats and audio for my intro and outro especially just want to say thank you to those guys and you can find out more information for them on my website as well and lastly i just want to say that i have a youtube channel too that's doing only love and kindness meditations and there you can find 10 minute guided loving kindness meditations that youtube channel is called sum of life also but yeah thank you guys again for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time see ya